So welcome back, episode number 24 of the No Cap Sports Podcast. It's a Kobe episode, man. Mm. I'm turning it up for the one time. Josh gonna start us off. Balling like on Kobe, yeah. Shout out, shout out to my man, Big Nick Hayes on that thing. You feel me? Big, big twist. Let, let me stop for you. He turned off it. Turn it off again. So, with that wonderful transition you gave me, sir, we're gonna discuss some of the best, you know, music. You know, quoting Kobe Bryant, "Black Mama," you know, the goat, as they say. Personally, the most popular, I think, Kobe song would be uh, the Chiefy version. You know. Well, I swear I think that I'm Kobe Swish. That's my bro. Pro- that's our bro. What you, you know, mean? You know that's our music. Nah, for sure. But uh, right before we got on air, um, my co-host Mr. Laws put me on a, a Lil Wayne Kobe song. I did not know. Kobe, I mean, Lil Wayne had a Kobe song dedicated to him. So uh, yeah, he said it was for another type of people. We're not gonna say who it was. But I checked that out. You said what? I prefer the, I prefer the term uncultured. Uncultured, <laughs> yes. People that like mayonnaise, yes. This was the yeah, okay. Um, and then of course you heard about sandwiches. <laughs> Nikki mayonnaise. <laughs> wow, definitely wouldn't have did this podcast if I knew that information. You like mayonnaise for real? I mean, when I eat like a ham or a turkey sandwich, yeah. Me, I get some mustard. My, we gonna talk about that later. Either mayo or honey mustard, bro. Hey, mayo, Nick, Nick. Uh, mayo or honey mustard? You or, did not compare mayonnaise to honey mustard. I'm saying like hey, that's what I put on my sandwich, either or. Hey, Josh. No, what's up? What's up, bro? <laughs> Nick kick his legs in the air when he playing his uh, PS4, bro. Nah, Nick be stomach first on his bed when his legs kicked up like this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're gonna get back on track. Um, G Herbo dropped a whole album mixtape, whatever, in 2016, titled "Balling Like I'm Kobe." But um, it's G Herbo, so we're not gonna talk about it. Oh God, we're not gonna talk about. Oh, it. I mean, not, not on this. I'm you surprised because you talked about T Grizzly, so I thought you might as well. Hey, you feel me, bro? Like it's a line, and that's the line, right there. You're right. Hold on, Vance is something in the, the the group. Let me check it out real quick. Oh yeah, that's what you said. But um, yeah. So out of those three, have y'all heard all three of those? I'm assuming you have, Vance. Have you, Nick? Have you heard the Lil Wayne Kobe version? I ain't heard the Lil Wayne Kobe. Mm. No, I'll be Ms. on that Chief Keith though. It's gonna be the man. So you'll probably rock with you know the Chief Keith version. Of course, of course. Yeah, it was a you know a classic middle school anthem, you know. For it's the- still an anthem. Thanks. You know, different strokes for different folks, but uh. What I was originally planning to talk about before Vance brought that wonderful idea into my head was um, the new 1017. You know, you know, Gucci keeps inventing himself. You know, he's a music mogul, you know, Diddy level type of person. You know, give, give people their flowers while they're here and alive, man. You know, he got out of prison, got his body right, the whole thing. So he's, you know, starting a new label, I guess, the new 1017. He has a Memphis, uh, Memphis residence, Pooh Shiesty, Big Scar, uh, Fujianos from Atlanta. Um, and these other people that I wrote down, K Shade, Love Enchanting, and Row Boy. And I listened to a Row Boy song, and he sounded like K Kemp. So <laughs> uh, I don't know about him. But um, yeah, Gucci came out with uh he came out with So Ice Summer, and that was where uh Push Ice really blew up with all his hits. And uh he just dropped So Icy Gang, volume one, what last week or this week? I can't remember honestly. I think it was last week. Yeah, that was so 
as a wonderful co-host of my music, well, as a wonderful host of a wonderful music segment, I'm going to ask my friends, who is your favorite artist in the new 217? Shiesty. Mm. Vans, go go last. I want Nick to go first. Uh, well, you know who me. I got to rock with Pooh Shiesty, man. Mm. He just hold it. That's as simple as I can keep it, bro. He just hold Hard. A, B, C, D, E. I don't know if that was a song I would have picked out all the Pooh Shiesty songs. But hey, you know, different strokes, <laughs> different folks. Um, Mr. Laws. Who yeah, is an artist in the new 217. So, hey, bro, <laughs> I li- she, ri- she literally whispers when uh, she raps, bro. You think that's really how she talks? I need to hear her talk. You, you, you better than me. I ain't listen to. I didn't listen to her or Love Enchanting. She talks, bro. She, she raps like she's smoking a cigarette at the same time. Bit of her lyrics, bro. Man, that's tough. I, I mean, bro, I'm not saying she's trash. It's just that's just how she sounds. But, but anyway, you know, that's how people be talking about like Janae. They be like, oh, she just she, like makes elevator music. But hey, she be she be flowing. Right, I don't know about Kay. I don't know about Kay Shade. But uh, yeah, she part of New 1017. So yeah, welcome to the family. But uh, you ain't <laughs> answer, Vance. So I need you to say your answer so I can say my answer. All right. So answer is gonna be. I already know who your answer is gonna be. So I'm gonna give a different answer. I'm gonna say Fujiano. Oh, he he, re- hey, he oh, really hey. split on the uh, So Icy Freestyle. Oh, my God. He did, though. I, I like him. He, he, baby mama ain't. Er, yeah, all that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with Fujiano, you feel me? You know? But, uh, you know, thank you, Vance. Thank you for the alley I'm going to have to go with Big Scar, man, you know, as a short I, guy. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He uh dropped a all, – all of them actually dropped a freestyle on Audio Max YouTube, you know, 17 bars for the new 217, you know. Where he play all that good stuff, and I thought his was, was like out of all of the best by a wide margin. He had a uh, big boy diamonds. That's the beat that he had, and uh, yeah, he killed it. You know, as a, as a short dude, like you know, I, I kind of tend to you know look up to big taller dudes. He's a big lanky dude, so yeah, he just he hard, bro. Like he really coming in snapping. What? It, what what's wrong? Does that does a does a man's height really matter when it comes to music? I mean, no, but you know. I got short man syndrome, bro. Like I love young Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta listen to Gotti all day because you said that now. CNG man. <laughs> yeah, he said he only been rapping six months. Well, okay, hey, I'm rocking with everybody. BG, you feel me? Endless entertainment, yo. We'll get into that later. But uh, my last question for my wonderful co-host, you know, since this is the new 1017, it has to be have been an old 1017. You know, the original members of 1017, people that have been a part of it include Young Thug, Waka Flocka, Hood Pablo Juan, uh, Rallo, you know, ain't he locked up still? Yeah, he's still locked up. Free Rallo, man, to look backwards. So my question is, out of those four, would you take the the old 1017 or the new 1017? Hey, that old 1017 was kind of crazy. It was, for sure. They were all together at the same time, but, you know, that's like they all-star team, I would say. Yeah, because, like, you got to think about uh, Thug and Gucci did a tape, a collab tape that was hard. Gucci and Walker did a collab tape that was hard. Rollo just, yeah, Rollo just straight. I don't really mess with him too much. But the Thug and and Walker Project's collabs just was next level, bro. You just, yeah. live out, you just live out Hood Rich Pablo Juan. Nah. I mean, I mess with Hood Rich, but I ain't want to say his name on here. 
because they might think, you know, he with me and come rob me or something. So I ain't going to, you know what I'm saying? You know, hood risk get robbed like once a month. So He do, though, for sure. Can't keep a chain, brother. Can't keep a chain. That's sad. But, uh, okay, you know, Mr. Laws, can I get an, an analysis from you? I'm going to say the O ten seventeen was more top-heavy, but uh, this team they got now, that's a whole squad. I think they're going to be able to sustain for a long time. So give me give me the new ten seventeen. I like it. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I like it. I like it. That'll wrap up my segment, guys. I'm going to give Nick an easy yeah. transition and say that uh, No Cap is my favorite rapper. He's from Alabama. That was good. Okay, one. well... Since we're talking about super teams, old 10, 17, new 17, we got to talk about a team that's been dominant since those 10, 17, and even back when guys were wearing leather helmets. And that's University of Alabama Crimson Tide. And they continuing to dominate. Hey, Josh, we can't hear you. I don't know if you're saying something. Real. No, I'm just, I'm just making movies. Right, cool, 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 cool. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Alabama continues to dominate. They trounced Georgia on Saturday, 41 to 24. Mac Jones, four touchdowns, over 400 yards. Najee Harris, 152 yards on the ground. So what has impressed y'all so far with Alabama this season? Go first, Vance. I, I usually steal the spotlight. Go ahead, bro. Ooh, what has impressed me? I mean – Honestly, it's nothing to be impressed about. It's what you expect from Alabama. Excellent. So, it's the offense is great. I mean, the defense, is, I mean, they did enough to beat Georgia. Georgia's no slouch. Don't, don't get it twisted. They're definitely a top three team still in the SEC, if not a top five school in the uh, nation. Uh, I mean, it's just dominant. The dominance, that impressed me the most. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, uh. First half, the game against Georgia was really close. They came back in the second half and just dominated Georgia. Like, Georgia had no answer for them whatsoever. So, dominance is my answer. Yeah. Hmm. My answer is, uh, I would say, you know, Nick Saban's ability to reinvent himself. You know, Nick Saban teams, oh, as a, you know, a former DB coach, you know, he's relied on dominant defenses, you know, winning games, be LSU 9-6 and and whatnot. But uh, this year's a different story. He, you know, he can continue to flip his team, and they're going to continue to be dominant, like Van said, you know, in their own special way. You know, this year's Alabama team, they're averaging 48 and a half points a game. That's crazy. Uh, like you said, uh, Nick, uh, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddle, uh, Matt Jones is really, you know, sprinkling the sugar around, almost averaging 400 yards a game. Uh, Devontae Smith is still there and crazy. So, uh, you know, that's not – not to say that they have a bad defense, you know, Dylan Moses. I like a lot of their interior guys. They got, you know, they're at Alabama. They're going to have talent. But uh, the fact that they're continuing to, they're continuing to win, you know, people oftentimes compare them to New England. But uh, as we see, we're going to talk about later, New England kind of has fell off a little bit. So I can say they've probably been the most consistent athletic team of my lifetime. I'll probably say that yeah. for sure. And, I mean, you know, talking about Alabama and that defense, it's like, you know, we're coming off, you know, last week we had the Alabama-Georgia game as a pickle. Me and Vance picked Georgia just because off the strength that they gave up 40-plus to Ole Miss. But then the defense comes out against a walk-on quarterback, which I said was going to be a big deal, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett only completed 45% of his passes, two touchdowns, three picks. And that's the kind of dominance you're used to seeing for Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. And so with Alabama being dominant like that, I think it's going to be, 
almost impossible to beat them, especially when you consider the playmakers they have on offense. Because I know I was a little bit concerned with Mac Jones stepping in and being a starting quarterback because he's unlike any other past uh, Alabama quarterbacks in recent memory, talking about Jalen Hurts and uh, Tua Tagovailoa. So he's unlike any of them. He doesn't have possess the same running threat or any of that. He's a true pocket passer, if you know what I'm saying. And he's doing a good job and stepping into that role and just dispersing the ball to playmakers like Waddle, Devontae Smith, and getting the job done. And so with that, do y'all think Alabama will continue to sweep the rest of the SEC? Um, I think I definitely do. I Like you said, uh, Vance, I mean, like you said, Nick, you know, the last couple of generations of Alabama quarterbacks have been more dynamic. But uh, don't forget about, you know, the A.J. McCarron days, the Greg yeah. McElroy days. But I definitely think that, at least right now, Mac Jones appears to be better than both of those guys. And on, to me, Hands down. I said, Hands I, thank you. I think those guys are more I, game managers. Like, what were you going to say? Well, I think uh, Mac benefits a little bit more from the playmakers he has around him. You got to think about guys like Jalen Waddle. Mac would play with Julio next. I know, but I'm saying it's not as deep talent. So you got Jalen Waddle. He touched the ball. It can go for 60 anytime. Devontae Smith, he's hands down one of the best deep third receivers in college football right now. And then you got Najee Harris, so you can set up screens and things like that to just get your playmakers in space. And then this is also the advent of the RPO era. So he's kind of feasting off that, too, in a similar way to it was last year. Are you saying this is their best team ever, bro? No, I don't think it's their best team ever. But I think it's a pretty well – I think it's a well-constructed team. Think he's the best think offense the best ever? Uh, t- team ever? The best offensive team ever? Yes, for Alabama. Oh, for Alabama? Um, it's top three. Top five, top five. Because the year – two years ago, that was a scary offense with Judy, Ruggs, and all of them. Yeah. That yeah. Was crazy. And yeah, the year with Josh Jacobs was there. And then also the year where they had Trent, Henry, yeah, Yeldon. Was it, was it? No. It was Ingram. I thought it was Ingram and Trent Richardson was begging up Ingram. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's the only thing about it. I got them mixed up. They but won that, Texas in the, uh, in the championship. Yeah, that year the offense was just stupid because of how well they could run the ball. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a top five Alabama offense all the time, though, hands down. Hmm. Okay. I like it, I like it, I like it. And so, um, oh, what are you finna say, Jay? I'm about to say, like, just thinking about, you know, it's the SEC still. You know, they're going to play game week in, week out. Kentucky just a uh, little boy, Tennessee, so severely. They got to play them. They're going to play the Iron Bowl, even though Bo Nix has been looking, you know, man. Shaky. Still got to play LSU. Don't laugh. I mean, they just lost to Missouri. So, I don't think anybody will beat them in the regular season. But um, hey, it's like they, they're gonna have to show up every week. Yeah, that's true. And then the thing to beat, who I got, say it again. If they might end up playing them, South Carolina, bro. I like the way South Carolina looks, bro. I know like South Carolina, though. but they might see them in the uh, SEC championship. Yeah. That's fair. I I say so far. Well, I think the best team that Alabama has to play. And the rest of the remainder of their schedule is probably Kentucky. Because yeah. this week they play Tennessee. Then they got Mississippi State who's falling off the face of the earth. Then they got LSU. Then Kentucky. Then Auburn. And like Josh said, Bonex has been looking very shaky. And they finish up with Arkansas. 
So I think out of those six teams, I think definitely Kentucky provides the most comp for Alabama. That was nice, bro. I forgot all about them, bro. I don't know what's going on, bro, but it's something. It's a problem. Who's the head coach for Arkansas? Uh, they just hired Georgia's O-line. What's the name? I want to say it's like Pickens. He was Georgia's okay. O-line coach last year. Yeah, bro, because I thought he was drunk for giving Felipe Franks a chance, but, you know, <laughs> shout out. Oh, um, man. But, addressing your take, Vance, I don't – if Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Garcia, they couldn't be Alabama, I don't think this year's rendition. I mean, didn't they just be somebody – didn't they just be uh, LSU or something like that? They actually got DBs that can cover, though. They, I think they got the best uh, – Secondary in the I got Deion Sanders son. Oh, yeah. You're talking about South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. SEC by, by far. Right. Their corner just won SEC Defensive Player of the Week. I saw him. He had like eight PBUs, a pick. He like, you know, Williams from Auburn, the best yes, receiver. Bro. I'm not going to say he's the best receiver, but he's t- definitely top five in the SEC. Alabama. South Carolina could beat Alabama. It's the it's the SEC, bro. Anything is possible, bro. If you told me, if you told me Arkansas, if you would have told me, Arkansas, Lattimore, Connor Shaw, all those. But if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Arkansas would have two wins at this point in the season, I would have called you a fool. Yeah. Why is Missouri in the SEC? That's the most random SEC school. Money. Money. A and M. Well, they already beat. Later in the season, they might have had. I lied. Alabama's going to sweep the SEC. Next target, yeah. bro. Okay, so assuming, you know, Alabama sweeps the SEC and Clemson does the same in the ACC, I think, personally, and I think we all think, these are the two best teams that we've seen so far in college football. Do we agree? Yes. So, yeah. you know, assuming these are the two best teams, how do you see these two teams matching up? Well, I'm, let me go first, Vance. I'm excited. I got a whole rundown. Hey, don't look like that, bro. I mean, it's just like a prize. So you got to run it down. So I'm going to start. We're going to start with the most important position in football, uh, quarterback, um, Lawrence Mack. I definitely say I, I, when I wrote it down, I had big advantage Clemson. But uh, I, I'll just say advantage. Mack Jones is looking good. You feel me? Uh, running back. ATN, Najee Harris. ETN is more experienced, been in more bigger moments. But uh, you only play, what, 60 minutes? And I think Najee Harris can be just as good as the back as Travis ETN for 60 minutes. So I got that as a toss-up. Mm, uh, I think, hands down, I got to go with Clemson when it comes to backs because you got to think about how versatile ETN is. ETN is a guy that catches the ball out the backfield and just basically does everything for that uh, Clemson offense. He's back-to-back ACC Offensive Player of the Year. Not Trevor Lawrence, not anybody else. If you know Clemson, you know ETN is the engine that makes that thing go. And he showed that in the first half of the LSU game before Clemson kind of got away from him. But he's a dynamic back, and I think uh, Clemson has the advantage there. What about you, Vance? Oh, yeah. And back, honestly, a quarterback, bro, I think it's a wash it running back and quarterback, honestly. I can't. I I give you running back. But I can't say quarterback. Bro, I mean, if it's just for one game, like I, I got to see at least more of it. And I got. I don't think. I don't think he can even do everything that Trevor Lawrence can. I mean, he doesn't have to. He has all those weapons. All he has to do is get his weapons the ball, which is the same thing Trevor Lawrence has to do. Is Trevor Lawrence more talented? Could he do more with a lesser team? Yes, but I feel like the teams are equal, and so uh, therefore, I think it's a wash. Trevor Lawrence is the better player, no, no doubt. But I think yeah. it's a Washington. And I think that's a fair point right there. 
Because you guys I mean, think of. I, 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 I let it. I let the, the judge will let it slide. I like that argument. You know, but that'll come to the, the next. I was going to say, you know, weapons, pass catchers. And I got big. I got Alabama as a big. Oh, yeah. I'm saying mm. you, got, you got Smith, you got John Mechie. He really showed that uh, last week as well. Jalen Waddle. You, I mean, you got um, Clemson as Amari Rogers. You know, a we played against him. He was all right. He got a lot of tattoos now. Frank Lassen, really impressive five-star guy. She's more of a boundary. But, uh, yeah, Mama all the way. And hey, bro, rank the top three uh, skill players. Top five. Top five skill players in that uh, game. Go quick. Were you going to include quarterbacks? No, no, just uh, running backs and receivers and tight ends on both teams. Top five players: uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Um, That's three, fool. He's damn broken. He's can I count? I got five, two more. You said five. You said top three. Oh, did you? Top top five. All right, cool, cool, cool. No tripping. Thank you. I said Etienne, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Uh, Najee Harris, uh, and then Amari Rogers. I'm gonna have to go ETM one. Give me Jalen Waddle two, Najee Ooh. Harris at three. Ooh. And then give me, ooh, it's gonna get spooky. Give me, see, I'm not really too impressed. I guess give me Devontae Smith. And give me Frank Glass in that five. Boo, 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 boo. I hate your list. I hate your list. Come on now. Nash, game-winning national championship. Come on, bro. That was his freshman year, bro. What you mean? It, don't, it doesn't go away. Come on, I mean, man. He's, good. he's a great deep third receiver, but you put the ball in Jalen Waddle's hands, it's a chance for a touchdown at any point. Say it again. Did he even have Smith in his top five? He said, yeah, he said on four, he said him and then Frank Lassen, who had a big drop last week. So that doesn't even. Mm, but they I won. Lassen, but I mean, who knows, bro? I would too. But hey. But then, you know, the, the, the side of the ball that really matters, defense, it's going to sound a little crazy, but I got Bama. Even though Clemson's defense has been playing a lot better this early in the season, I think Bama's defense got a lot. I think Bama's defense is going to be more talented. They're going to be better. They're going to be playing better when it counts in the SEC. You know? Yeah. Um, what would you say, sir? Let, let me make it easy for you, bro. Clemson's defense is giving up an average of 12 points per game. Give me Clemson's defense over Alabama's over an Alabama defense that gave up 40 to Ole Miss. It's that simple. I feel it, and I it was duly noted. Thank you. That Clemson has been, been has been playing out of this world early, but uh, you know that Deion Kendricks, they got the big uh the big white guy Ryan Breeze, uh who else I got wrote down here. I mean, I mean, Clemson defense, I like it. They've been playing together a long time. Dabo Swinney's gonna have them running right. Well, not Dabo Swinney. Clemson DC is gonna have them running right. But man, Saban is still Saban. He's gonna have that secondary looking tight and right by the SEC championship game. They're gonna have dogs in the interior. That's who really, you know, disrupted the game for uh Stetson Bennett. They still got Dylan Moses. Think about it, he was on the ESPN cover when he was what, 14? So they're gonna have, you know, front seven. I think like I I, I acknowledge your point that you know defense is a collaborative thing and de- Clemson's defense has been a lot better than Alabama's defense so far. But I just think when you know when it comes down to it. You know, Alabama's defense is going to play, you know, more dynamic. Guys, they're going to be more seasoned. So, one thing by the time that these two teams play, the Alabama's defense will be better. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I think it's going to come down to – I think it's a wash with the players. But I'm going to say uh, the coaches. It's going to come down to coaching. The coaching job that I saw Clemson do, that was the best coach against uh, Miami two weeks ago. That was the best coaching job I've seen in a long time. It was just a blitz and killing De'Ara King. And I feel like the defensive coordinator for Clemson is going to be sending the dogs at Mac Jones and trying to ball out of the quarterback's hands quick before those – receivers can get separation so I'm gonna I'm give Clemson the slight edge yeah and so for me it came down to you know these two teams have seen each other in college football championship four times it's split right down the middle two and two and these teams in my opinion are similarly constructed we talk about explosive offenses uh, Alabama's averaging 48.5 points per game Clemson's averaging 48.4 two explosive offenses two really good talented defenses but to me this game comes down to essentially who's been there before, who has more experience on the roster and coaching, like you said, Vance. And to me, Clemson has the better coaching, better quarterback play in bigger moments. So that's why I got to rock with Clemson as the best team in college football. And the AP poll agrees with me because Clemson is yet again ranked number one and by a wide margin. Mm, man, different strokes, different folks, players. You feel me? I'm not managing for that call. It's like when people were like – Best receiver, D-Hopper, Julio. I'm going to always take Julio. You feel me? I like a fast guy that will do more things. But, hey, D-Hop has been more alive. So, hey, whatever. For sure. Who your next topic? You to win the game. Yeah. Alabama. Oh. Alab- bro, Alabama has been kicking people's butt since I was in elementary school. Think of Al, you know what I mean, people that eat, not even, like, you think you, Alabama has names, but it's just the, it's like the Patriots. There's just a machine. We, we talked about that earlier. Uh, earlier uh, when they, the Ingram and Ingram and Trembridge and Combo. That was what 2011. Yeah, bro, we in college. I was 11 years old when that happened. Like they, Saban has a system and he knows what he's doing. And I'm uh, Dabo's 20 is probably the second best coach, and Brent Venables is probably the best DC in college football. But hands down, they're they're, they're up against the demigod, bro. Like. I'm going to let you have it, and we're going to have to wait until, you know, around January to see. But if I'm betting, my money's on Clemson. But come January, we can have another team get in the mix as the Big Ten returns this weekend. So with the Big Ten returning, you know, they're playing an eight-game schedule, conference only, of course. So who are you guys – what team slash players are you guys most excited to see uh, when the Big Ten returns? Ohio State. That's easy. That's, I mean, just like you see them. I want to see them dominate. They playing close games, to be honest. They can uh, cancel the Big Ten season again, to be honest. I, honestly, the Big Ten, it really should just all right, throw Ohio State in the ACC or throw Ohio State in an independent schedule. And then all them other teams, I don't know, they can play each other intra-squad intra uh, scrimmages or something, bro. I really don't. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. I just want to see Ohio State. I feel you. You telling me you don't want to watch Minnesota and Michigan play Saturday, bro? Audio. No. Something we have to address. <laughs> when we were we were just we discussed, you know, how this show is constructed and, and niggas like, yeah, we're gonna talk Michigan, Minnesota. And I, me and man's like, yeah, okay, I will do our research because we don't I literally probably don't know nobody from Michigan still. But uh yeah, we're down for the squad, bro. But he told us we don't have to talk about it no more. So I'm I'm glad because I didn't do my research. <laughs> Actually, I did. I won't talk about it since I did it. Um, Rashad Bateman, you know, a guy that opted out that came back in. You know, and uh, Tanner Morgan, one of the, the best. Oh, he came. Yeah, Rashad Bateman back. 
they let him opt back in. No, actually, I think no, I think he, I think he's still waiting because you know he hired an agent. I think they're waiting to clear him. I think he's still waiting for clearance. Michigan has Joe Milton at quarterback. He's gonna be making his first career start. Uh, they're returning twelve all Big Ten guys on defense, but uh, Jim Harbaugh gonna keep him a defense. But uh, it's simple. I think Minnesota has the two best guys on that on that on that field, and I think they're gonna win. Yeah. And so for me, of course, we want to see Ohio State, but there's a couple of players I want to see come back and uh, hoop this season. Oh, I start out with Rondell Moore, man. Like, Ooh, you took mine. All right, you know I'm gonna let you talk about Rondell because I got another one in my head. Okay, see. so you got Rondell. No, uh, Rondell Moore, you know, he's a junior this year. He had an injury plague sophomore season. I don't even know how many games he played. He only but, played uh, three or four, I think. As a true freshman, you know, crazy. You know, those all from the guys a lot in a slot. You move to the running back position. You throw it to him. You throw, uh, you know, he's be a vertical threat. Uh, what I was saying? He's college football version of Tyreek Hill, at least in my eyes. So after that big freshman year and kind of the disappointing sophomore year, and he opted out and opted back in as well. Um, probably one of the most dynamic guys in college football, regardless of conference. Yeah. And so since you got Rondell, I let you have it. Like you said, uh, all Big Ten as a freshman, Paul Hornick award winner. But for me, a guy I'm really excited to see. I'm really excited to see that Indiana team. Just see what they come, uh, how they come back after a loss to uh, Tennessee in a bowl game, a comeback loss to Tennessee in the bowl game. And one guy I'm really excited to see on that Indiana team is Walt Fillier, the uh, leading receiver. He's a senior. He's a 2020 Maxwell and uh, Bill Kentoff Award watchlist guy. Has 70 receptions, about over a thousand yards, and five touchdowns last year. So I'm excited to see what that. Uh, what that Indiana offense looks like behind Mike Penix. Tell me you're going to watch an Indiana football game. Yeah, but I got to support the game. Stop. My boy, I never my boy. thought he was not going to say Jack Boy in him. But. I mean, <laughs> my boy, I ain't seen my boy Jack Boy play yet, so I got to see him. Got to see what he come out like, too. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say Jack Boy and Jack Willow, one of them. But, yeah, hey, I'm Just down saying. for the call. So, while we're talking about Big Ten, Last little point in our college football segment, what would hold more weight in terms of the college football playoff when we get to, like, January? An undefeated Big Ten slash Pac-12 team or one loss ACC-SEC Big 12 team? Um, That's a good question. I didn't really think about it, so you just asked. Hey, wait, um, wait, gonna wait. Have... I, have a, I have one question before that real quick. Can I ask you real quick? I'm sorry. Of course. All right, so uh, if, you was, uh, if you had a draft, who would you draft first, Kadarius Tony from Florida or Rondell Moore from Purdue? Rondell. Rondell. So, Tony, I, but Rondell does more stuff. Rondell is just different, bro. Not even yeah. in the phone. He reminds me so much of Tavon, but better than Tavon. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Man, that's high. Okay. But he, he really, he's like you said, not even in the phone booth, bro. Not even exactly. In the phone. All right, back to your question about uh, who hold more weight. I'm going to just give me the one-loss team, bro. Eight, I mean, eight games is kind of – if it was eight games in the SEC, I probably yeah. would be – give me the eight games in the SEC. It's still a Big Ten. They're, they're solid, but it's like you never really expect them to, to do anything once they actually make it into the Final Four unless it's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I kind of looked at it like – it. Is, for me, it depends on how the Big Ten slash Pac-12 wins these games. 
these are blowout victories. You got your essentially your JV squad in the fourth quarter, and you go undefeated. Give me that team. You know what I'm saying? Like let's say Ohio State goes through, they win every game by 20 plus. Hands down, give me Ohio State. But in my opinion, like a one-loss SEC team in particular should have a shot at uh, the college football playoffs. Because like one team I'm, I got in mind is Georgia. Their one loss is to Alabama. It was a less than 20-point loss. And so I think, you know, if they go out the rest of the season and continue to dominate, I think they still have a legitimate shot at the college football playoff, depending on, you know, what the Big Ten slash Pac-12 schools do. So I think for me it's more of a more of a situational thing that you got to take by a team by team basis. But I think if a Big Ten or Pac-12 team just dominates the conference, they should get into the college football playoff. I feel that honestly. I just think it's probably will be a bigger deal in terms of the Big Ten and Pac-12 because you know they were supposed to play in the spring and they came back. So I don't know how that's going to affect you know TV time or exposure or whatnot. But I feel like there still would be some type of you know, recency bias for the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams. And I just feel like they'll – the committee almost feel, like, obligated to, you know, take that into consideration. If a, if a, if a Big Ten or a Pac-12 team goes undefeated, you know, they, they did all this rearranging of their schedule. I feel like the committee would be obligated to be like, oh, we got to throw them in there. Or, you know, the best team that comes from one of those two conferences, they have – and I think they will – because I think Ohio State will go undefeated. Um, but even if a Pac- – if Oregon went undefeated or Utah went undefeated, I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility for them to get into the playoff. So yeah. um, I would say, uh, I don't know. I just feel like they're, I honestly feel like they're equal. A undefeated Big Ten Pac-12 team followed by the same amount of weight as a one-loss SEC team or any other other conferences playing right now. Mm-hmm. I probably say they about the, they hold the same amount of validity in the eyes of the committee. Well, I'm I'm I don't see no Big Twelve team getting in, so it's essentially what four conferences, four open spots. Because ain't nobody in the Big Twelve worthy, bro. Oklahoma State, the only undefeated yeah. in the Big Twelve, and they haven't really done much to impress me. They've got wins over. Oh my God, they got wins over Tulsa, West Virginia, and Kansas. Like that's cool and all, but. Be somebody that's some real comp, you know what I'm saying? Let me let me ask you this: Would you rather take a a one loss Miami or Notre Dame or undefeated Cincinnati team? I can't put with Cincinnati in the in the. In the I mean, they they, I, they play SMU uh, this Saturday, and then in a few weeks they go they play Memphis. Um, they'll definitely lose one of those two games, I think. But if they I, don't, then I definitely. I feel like they could be, you know, in the, in the prime position because they got teams that got to play each other, so they'll jump over them as long as they keep winning. They might, but then again, the final four rankings haven't came out like the uh, mm. college football playoff rankings. Interesting. Uh, to your point, Nick, Oklahoma State does not play a ranked team the rest of the way unless somebody becomes ranked. They play Iowa week, huh? Huh? They play Iowa State this week, right? Yeah, and they know for upsets too. That's the crazy part. Yeah. So, uh, if, if Cincinnati can be SMU and Memphis, which I highly doubt will happen, I would definitely take them over Oklahoma State for sure. I think when you look at, I think this is the year where it's going to be hard for smaller, even harder for smaller schools to get into the college football playoff because you're not playing those those non conference games. So by not playing those non conference games, give me a one loss, Miami or Notre Dame or whoever 
is in the power five, just because, you know, you don't have that, you don't get to see these uh, group of five schools play the bigger schools. But then again, I feel like the revenue wouldn't matter because a lot of people, you can't even fill up the stadiums with uh, crowds because of Corona. So like, this would be the year to throw teams in there because you're still going to get the same amount of revenue no matter who you throw in there because a smaller school would be able to fill up a big stadium. I mean, that's true. But I think, I mean, a lot of the money this year will come from TV. And those smaller schools are going to have, you know, more dedicated, I feel like, are going to have more dedicated fan bases. You know, and that's what they're going to be banking. So, like you said, there's not going to be people that are going to be in the stands. I'm really just stalling to see who's the highest ranked non P5. So, since I had nine, oh, wow. I did not yeah. know. It's kind of hot. BYU is playing good too. I'm looking at that. I don't know who they would play that would really put them over the top. But if if Cincinnati can beat SMU and Memphis, who probably will be ranked, hey, if they can jump a, uh, if there's you know if nobody comes out of undefeated at the Big Ten or the Pac-12, I for sure say that they could. I'll put them in the playoff. Though that's two legit wins right there. I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't really agree with you just because the strength of schedule will be a big factor here, and they don't have that. But with that, we're going to go and close the segment out, and we'll be coming right back to y'all with some NFL talk, the big storylines from this weekend. So y'all just stay right there. Bring your All right, and so now, of course, full slate of NFL games this past week, so we got to talk about it. So first major storyline for the from this weekend Patriots are below 500 in October for the first time since 2002. Mm. Also, another big storyline. Jets are the only undefeated team in the NFL. I mean, are the only winless team in the NFL because they're definitely not undefeated. We last time the Jets were the only undefeated team in the NFL. And Joe Namath was quarterback. <laughs> the civil rights era. <laughs> I can't even remember the just being undefeated. Maybe you want to know. That's about it. But for real, though, we, we're not. Definitely think that we can talk about the Patriots. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Patriots, bro. So you're back right on now, track, brother. You're back on track. You're right. You're right. So right now, right now, Patriots sitting at 2 and 3 after a loss to the Broncos on Sunday, 18 to 12 loss. And they're sitting at third in the AFC East behind the Bills and the Dolphins. So, so far, what have y'all seen from the Patriots and what do they need to do? To uh, is it well? Is it time to hit the panic button in New England? I'll throw it back to you first, Nick. Uh, so you want me to start off? Well, for me, I don't think it's the need to hit the panic button. They've played a pretty tough schedule over the first five games. You got to think about they their three losses have been to the Seahawks, the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs game no Cam Newton, and the loss to the Broncos, and then all. Well, in two of the three games, excluding the Chiefs game, the Patriots were competitive in them. You got to think the Seahawks game came down to the last play. Broncos game, offense just wasn't clicking out. I mean, that's kind of expected when your starting quarterback gets put on the COVID-19 list, comes off, only has about three days of practice to prepare for a game. It's kind of expected for the offense to be out of sorts. So I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet, especially looking at how the defense has been playing uh, this season. Uh, in the Broncos game, they didn't give up a touchdown. Played great, had two turnovers. And the defense is ninth in the league in terms of yards allowed per game with 339. And it's a top-10 pass defense. So with that defense, really the problem is just offense and getting things to click. So right now, you know, right now the New England's top two pass catchers 
in my opinion, would be uh, Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry. And this past Sunday, they combined for two catches for eight yards, which is – you just can't excuse Boo, that. boo, boo. Y'all playing like some boo, boo. Exactly. And Julian Edelman leads the NFL in drops right now with 11. So, wow. Exactly. So, I think right now the Patriots just need to find a groove on offense. And I know people will say, like, hey, the Titans just took a two-week or so layoff due to COVID, came back and destroyed the Bills. But the Titans didn't have such key players going on the COVID list. They didn't have Ryan Tannehill going on the COVID list, and they didn't have their best corner going on the COVID list. So I think those two factors uh, played a big role in the Patriots' loss on Sunday. And I think there's no need to overreact and hit the panic button in New England. So what do you guys think? I'm gonna flip the script, Mr. Wonderful Note Reader. Um, I think I think Nick pretty, pretty much dresses went up and down. Uh, didn't know about the Edelman stat about the eleven drops. Um, oh wow, Odell got banned. Let's the teams. Um, I would definitely say I think they kind of need. I don't say they need to smash it like this, but I definitely you know poke it. You know, thirtieth in passing offense, twenty twenty fifth in passing yards per game. Um, Nick detailed how disappointing the receiving crew has been. But, uh, you know, usually with that, within that Patriots offense, you know, you can sprinkle the sugar to your running backs. But uh, recently that hasn't been, held, hasn't been happening as much. Um, James White has been ineffective. Don't even know if he's still with them. Uh, he, is. he just took, like, two – you know, his dad died, so he didn't play for two weeks. Oh, okay, so. okay. I did see that. Uh, Rex Burkhead, he had a good game early in the season. Haven't really heard of him. Uh, Sonny Michelle. So that, you know, that staple of their – their offense that has been there for Bill Belichick for decades, um, that's failing right now. So that that's concerning for me. Um, Cam Newton is your leading rusher. I don't think that's good at all. Um, he's a leading rusher by almost a hundred, well, almost fifty yards. Has five touchdowns. Your the next running back on your team has one. I don't think it's a big problem that Cam leads the team in rushing yards. You got to think it's a running back by committee. You got Damian Harris. You got Burkhead. You got Michelle. You got White. When all four of those guys fling carries, of course, that Cam don't sound like a committee. If, I, if Cam got five and the rest of them don't have five together, that don't sound like a committee. I'm just saying, either. Cam had two or three rushing touchdowns against the Seahawks just off quarterback power. Well, yeah. So do you want him to? Do you want him to run the ball ten to fifteen times every game? He's not. I don't see it as a problem. I don't think he's. he's oh, man. Go, go, Vance. My bad. I was just saying he's not getting hit, so it's not a problem. Exactly. Now, now he, he got hit last game against the Broncos. They were touching him up for sure. But I mean, then again, like Nick said, the offense was rusty. So I mean, give it a few weeks. If it's still, it, it's too early to hit the panic button. Now you still got a lot more football left to go. You got three more, more months of football left to go. It's not uh, time to hit the panic button. I I touch. I touch. At least let my finger hover over. I mean, what he, what's changing though? Are they gonna get a downfield threat? Is their offense? I mean, the offensive line can get healthy, but like, what is going to change? Their offensive line is fine. They got a steal and draft from Michael on Winu, who's been consistently graded by PFF as one of the best offensive players in the league. And he was a six round pick. They got value that they still got Thune on that offensive line. Got David Andrews back. This is a good offensive line. It's just the offense is a little bit out of sync. And that's to be expected when your starting quarterback goes out for 10 days with COVID. And then also, it's tough to come back off the COVID list and play the Broncos because you know they're going to bring heavy pressure with big. It's a big Vangio defense. 
They're going to bring heavy pressure, play man on the outside. And that's why I think the Patriots need to be a big player before the trade deadline. Trade deadline is November 3rd. I think they, they need to be a player. You don't have the reliable tight ends you used to have. Your receivers have been underwhelming. So I think they need to make a play for a guy like uh, A.J. Green, a John Ross, uh, a Chris Herndon, any of these guys that you can get the ball in space or that can create separation. Not Chris Herndon, brother. Not Chris Herndon. Wow. Yeah, that was, that, that was definitely a surprise. Okay, bro. David and Joker. <laughs> I don't know if Nick's talking. Like I was saying, you know, the Nick summed it up pretty well. The, the, their receiving core needs to make a change. At some point, they have no downfield threat, nobody that really scaring defensive coordinators. You know, it coming into that week, and the, that's a necessary adjustment they have to make, a free agent or something like that. You know, we might talk about a little uh, option a little later in the show. But uh, I would I would be panicking if I was a Patriots fan. Man, another reason not to panic is the Dolphins are sitting ahead of you, and they're 3-3. Three and three. That's an easy catch-up. That's a game behind. And also, the Patriots haven't played any divisional games yet. So, I yes, think – they beat the Dolphins. We won. Do you oh, yeah. think the You're right. I'm sweet. better than the Bills? I don't think they're better than the Bills, but you got to think expanded playoff format. The Patriots can still get in as a wild card. They might not win the division, but I think this is still a playoff team. I just think they need to make a couple adjustments and just get back on track. I think that's all the Patriots need to do. But since we talked about the Dolphins, big news coming from Miami this week. Tool will be the starter going into week seven. The Dolphins have a bye this week to, I guess, let them get acclimated as a starter. So starting out, just uh, what do y'all think about the timing of this move? Why do you think they made the move now? Go first, Vince. Mm, it's kind of trifling, bro. Like they're doing treating Ryan Fitzpatrick like their girlfriend that you know you can always go back to in time, bro. But I mean, uh, too, he's the future. You draft him for a reason. Obviously, he's doing something in practice. I don't think it's a Nathan Peterman type of situation where he's like, oh, yeah, this is our quarterback. And he's about to stink up the place. He's, I think he's the future. You know, you see all these young quarterbacks coming in the league, doing their thing, you know, phasing all these vets out of the league uh, slowly but surely. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's coming in like Josh Allen, like a Colin Murray. Uh, I think he's he's ready to take that next step. He can't. I don't think he'll be any worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has been doing an exceptional job. He has them in three and three. The Dolphins, they're in an unknown territory. So it's just like, why not try something to push you over the top? Maybe they still have time to catch the Bills. So, I mean, yeah. who knows? Uh, and I agree with you. I mean, the Dolphins draft to a fifth overall this year's draft. And you got to think about it. The Dolphins over their first four games were one and three. It was looking real scary. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and Flores decided to keep Fitzpatrick in and just work through it. And they ended up working through it. And their past two games, they won by 21-plus. And so I think I, – I just don't know how to feel about, you know, moving to a, to a starter now, especially your Brian Flores. This is your second year as head coach of the Dolphins. Your main priority should be winning. So I'm going to let Josh talk about it for a second. Um, I was my bad. I was distracted. Some do. You know how people, the freshman coming in, post that little athletic picture. He, I guess he had like shot his shot at this girl, and she was like, "Ooh, I weigh more than you." No, and this on the timeline. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like his feelings kind of hurt. But um, yeah, I don't think what are we talking about again. Two, bro. Like, oh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is from Harvard. He's been, you know, a journeyman in this league. He's well traversed. 
I, there's worse mentor that he could have. Um, I don't know. I would say trifling. Like man said, the timing is a little weird though. I guess didn't to throw him in. I guess against what the fifth game, sixth game of the season, fifth game of the season. I mean, if this is something that their system they had had been working on throughout the week, then I guess it really don't matter what we think. And uh, I guess the Jets are a JV team at this point, so it was a good game to practice. I mean, they threw him in at the end of the game this week. He only played five plays through two passes. Nothing really to write home about. It was just his NFL debut. So, overall, would y'all say this is a good move for the Dolphins to make or a bad move for the Dolphins to make? And to your point, Vance, uh, one Dolphin player told ESPN that he was surprised about the move, but he noted that Tua keeps improving and making one or two wild highlight plays in practice every week. So what do y'all think? What is y'all's overall sense of the move? Good, bad, or Great different? Move, bro. Great move for sure, bro. I think those receivers, Parker, uh, Preston Williams on the outside, I think they're about to go crazy. I, mean, I like Kenny Ballage the way he's been running the ball. I mean, it's a nice team. They might sneak into the playoffs, bro. I'm not I'm not saying they're a playoff team, but we just got to see. We'll see how it plays out. Josh? I don't know about that, brother. I mean, good for their future, obviously. But um, as we've talked about, you know, even Sam Donald makes one or two wild plays a game. So I don't think <laughs> it's about the wild plays. I think it's about, you know, you had to laugh that hard. It's more, like, it's more like, wow, did he really just throw that? <laughs> Must have been a ghost out there in coverage, huh? I see one one Sam Darnold highlight this year, bro. Like literally just one. Maybe, we ain't even gonna talk about it, bro. Tua. Um, I think that they had probably had more weapons than Sam Darnold has. Preston Williams, like you said, Devontae Parker. Um they got a good running back. Mike Gasecki, Ken Ballage, uh Matt Breida. No, Matt Breida, that's who I was thinking about. I don't know the other two guys you said. But uh, I think Tua had really good arm talent, and he's in Miami, so I think he'll flourish, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I think this is a bad move for the Dolphins to make right now. You got to mm. think about it. Your team is 3-3. Do tell, brother, do tell. Your team is 3-3 three and three right now. Y'all have won two straight games convincingly. Destroyed the 49ers. We talked about that last week, 41-17. They beat the 49ers. And then you come out, destroy the Jets. I mean, what's to be expected? It's the Jets. But anyway. Bro, relax. My it's bad. Okay. But you come out, you win two straight games like that. And then your starting quarterback has been playing well. And he's the leader of that team in the locker room and on the field. Because right now, uh, Fitzpatrick has completed 70% of his passes, good for fifth in the league, over 1,500 yards, 7.7 yards per attempt. So he's spreading the ball out with an 82.5 QBR, which is good for seventh in the league. So Fitzpatrick has been doing his thing and getting this team some wins, which is what's important right now, especially for a young team that needs to learn how to win because it hasn't won in a while. So why would you disrupt the rhythm of winning and insert Tua now? I mean, I understand it from from a front office perspective because, you know, you invested a fifth overall draft pick and you have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. But as a head coach, it's my job to win games, and I'm keeping the guy who I've been riding with all season as my starter until I, mean, bro, I, need, I have a reason not to. I mean, that's, I, it's like he always starts off good, then he flames out around mid-season. I mean, but it's, I mean the thing about Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a bridge guy. Like, you don't, you don't sit there and be like, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be our starting quarterback for the next two to three years. Like, if they, I mean, yeah, if they, I know. He's, in, he's almost 40. He's either in his 40s or almost 40. I understand yeah. that. 
Man, I understand he was playing good ball, but I think the purpose of him was to be a, a vessel for two. I think if they feel like he's probably done his job, then T did what he, he was supposed to do. And they paid him handsomely for it. So do you do you think he knew uh he was done when he was cheering for two when two had checked into the game? I don't think he knew he was done. Because you got bro, two only played five plays. Hey, that's just being I a good it's, it's symbolic, bro. <laughs> bro I would be knew what time it was. I I mean, I I'm a crying the rover, so it don't matter. But it, hey, he knew what time it was. Fish came out and said today, bro. ESPN interviewed him and said, I felt like it was my team. My heart just my heart just hurt all day, bro. Like this is the guy that was really invested in this team, really invested in that locker room. With the Harvard. That's so cap. But going off of that, talking about free Harvard online classes, brother. That's it. <laughs> but going off. Oh. Oh what? <laughs> anyway, going off talking about Tua, I think it's appropriate that we ask who's y'all's favorite left-handed player. Ever any sport? Ah, oh, go first, Vance. Mm, I mean, the first person that comes to my mind is Ginobili, bro. You know, you be watching the hoop on TV, they be yelling Ginobili. I ain't never heard nobody yell Ginobili. I don't know about that. I, I've heard it, bro. Ginobili, he, 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 he the <laughs> player in the league, bro. He just, he just he, like he Ginobili, I could do. You go on Tuesday night, he at the salsa salsa club, he dancing. Just, uh. Uh, man, that's the sauciest uh, Euro step I ever seen in my hey. life, bro. Hockey. I'd like D-Wade jump. But he got it from Ginobili, so it don't matter. So what about you, Josh? Who's your favorite listener? And thank you, Nick, for this platform. I'm going with Big 7, that boy Vic, all day, every day. He's the OG, the prototype for the for the black boy, bro. Come on now. Electric, you know, four, four, legitimate 4-3 speed. Nobody could stop him, bro. Like, only thing that could stop him was our federal government. That's the yeah. only thing that could stop him. And are the yeah. blank. Come on, now. Those are go. You feel me? You, you wonder why people talking about Lamar and can compare him to Vic? Come on, now. And I would say, give Vic the mirrors when he was locked up for them dogs. Come on. Come on, Do now. you have a ring right now if you didn't get locked up? Hands down. Chill out, fool. I don't know. Most dynamic offensive weapon in the past 10 years. 20. Mm, Lamar Jackson says hi, but okay. <laughs> well, for me, my favorite lefties, bro, I got two lefties. Shout out to the hometown Grizzlies, bro. Zebo and Mike Conley, bro, how much better can it get? Numerous playoff appearances in Memphis. Just uh, shout out. Just for Mike Conley, I, I'm you know big Zebo all day, but uh you could you could have left Mike Conley out. No, bro, shout out Mike Conley, bro. bro you think to... like Mike Conley wasn't that guy, bro? Thanks, bro. I went to high school with his cousin, bro. That makes no difference to me. <laughs> so, don't know your cousin or Mike Conley. Please, bro. Losing a sweet. I got a good funny story though. Can I? It's a podcast. I can tell my story. So, um, hanging out with some white guys. And uh, we were in, we were right by uh, Oak Court Mall, and uh, we were, I was at a nice you know function. An NBA player happened, not NBA player. He was a Tigers legend. He happened to just be you know roaming around, you know doing something. That's why I'm not saying his name on purpose. But uh, these white guys I was with literally just ran up to him and like, yeah, can we uh, tour your house? And I was like, uh, shh. I'm just gonna hang back. You feel me? I just came with them. 
and it, it was cool. He led us toward his house, and um, he had us like a whole thing of Mike Conley memorabilia. Like it was kind of weird, um, bro. But um, yeah, <laughs> like like you know how people have like fan stuff, like yeah. you know people like oh, this is my uh autograph room. Like he had like a room, and it was mostly Mike Conley stuff. Ohio <laughs> State. Grizzlies, and this like this is a person that like I'm gonna tell y'all off camera. This is a person that really made waves, and it's like because Mike Conley, that guy, bro, he the Memphis Jordan. But anyway, <laughs> next. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro! Stop! Stop! <laughs> Go wash your mouth out with soap. I'm good. <laughs> So, you know, next topic, got to talk about. Can't even leave the show no more. Next topic, Vance. Talking about the student life. Oh, oh, let me cover that up. Let me cover that up. Yeah, yeah. So, so, anyway, let's go and get on into the next topic. Antonio Brown will be eligible to practice and play in two weeks. So, y'all know Y'all know I'm a big AB fan, you know, call God and all. So, starting out, you know, I just want to see. Would y'all bring him to your team? You know, he's coming off an eight-game suspension due to a number of, di- a number of different off-field issues. And, you know, but recently he's been fairly quiet, you know, just posting videos of him working out, things like that. So would y'all bring AP – would y'all sign AB if y'all were a GM? Of if, I'm, if, I, if I'm of need of a wide receiver, yes. Like, it's a no-brainer, no doubt, bro. He's a player that can push your team to the next level, whatever level that is. And so we – you got to do it. Pull the trigger. If not, just give him a tryout. Okay. I mean, I because they're in the locker rooms. Hey, bro, I don't want to play with Antonio Brown. I think any anybody be like, yes, I want to play with Antonio Brown, except for Steeler, Steeler or Raiders players. Yeah, and I mean, you got to think about it. He went to New England. Tom Brady loves him. He's been vying for Bruce Arians to bring him in for uh, for a little minute, for a little minute now. So, Josh, would you bring AB in? If I was a general manager. Yeah. Man, you know what he can do for your football team, obviously. If I'm a GM, I'm going to get worried about my money and my time. And Antonio Brown is not good for either, honestly. You see how New England is the, the perfect hierarchy at the NFL. He lasted, what, a week with them? But well, I would say he lasted a week in New England for reasons that were out of his control. But there's always reasons out of his control. But, I mean, I don't see A.B. as a bad locker room guy. He has had some trouble. The case is still open, so I'm going to say, you know, the case came out that he allegedly uh, – He had an open case. He allegedly conducted sexual misconduct with – I don't care how good you can catch a football. Not a pending case, bro. And that's not a – that's a felony. But I'm saying he had two. The first one dropped the charges. Stop talking. Okay. Talk, you're making it worse, brother. You're making it I'm worse. Not, I'm, just, I'm just stating the facts, bro. I'm stating the facts. Right. Right. All I'm doing is stating the facts. We so, listen to- I'm just saying, the New England situation was out of his control because the woman came about, brought the charges up, and that led to him being cut. It wasn't anything that who dealt with his behavior in New England that led to him getting cut. You get what I'm saying? It was a previous yeah. incident. The case came out. They cut him. It's fair. But if I'm a GM, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm bringing AB in. This is a guy that's had 
six consecutive years of a thousand plus receiving yards and a hundred plus receptions. He's an instant upgrade to any wide receiver room in the NFL. It's, it's just hard to turn down that type of production. You know what I'm saying? So with that, like, I'm just going to go on and ask y'all, like, if he, assuming he comes back and there's real interest in him in two weeks, who would y'all like to see A.B. sign with? Ravens. Oh, I like it. any particular reason why. They need that's what they need, honestly. A big play guy. Uh, about about the Patriots, the Gee, I don't know if they would sign him to Gee, but I think uh, they would. I don't know. The Patriots, I, I think about like what to... they did with Josh Gordon. They brought Josh Gordon back in a, a couple of different times. I think they definitely bring AB back. Mm. That's a good thing. Uh, the yeah. Eagles, the Eagles, hey. Yeah. Most definitely, because you got to think about Alshon, Deshaun, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Jalen Rager still hurt. Zach Ertz just went down uh, this week on IR. So, I think the Eagles would make sense. Deshaun could definitely use him. The who? who Texas? I think they're straight, bro. Honestly, on offense, it's their defense is something yeah. trash. So I trash. With that. They are on top. You got to get Deshaun from the Raiders. They need uh, – they need, um, he has his weapons. Now, Fuller has been going kind of crazy. Damn, could Darren Fells? They got a nice offense. This bro, that defense is like uh, when I watched I watched uh, Texas play the Titans the other day, and then it was like no doubt in my mind the Titans were going to go down uh, in the score. Oh, with, yeah. uh, once I got once they got the ball in overtime, you knew they was going to score. It was no doubt in my mind. That's yeah. why I used to start watching. He was about to cry. But, uh, and that's a game where that Texas offense put up 36, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, bro. If I was 36 in OT. Yeah. And so I think those are three good teams. Patriots, Ravens, Eagles, because all three of those teams, wide receiver needy, lacking a number one at the moment. And I think if he goes to the Ravens, that might be the new culture team. You know what I'm saying? All the Broward County boys, Lamar, Hollywood, and A.B. They are ready for the culture. I mean, yeah. But it would just, like, solidify them as the culture team. Like, everybody would be walking around with the Ravens gear. You know what I'm saying? The culture never wins, though, bro. I'm sorry. Thanks. Never win. The Brady's going to come down. Brady and the Buccaneers, they're going to uh, beat the Ravens, and everybody's going to be sad, bro. So, I'm not going to even if that happens. Okay. And so, uh, to talk about another former Steeler, Le'Veon Bell got cut last week. Decided to sign with the Chiefs. Still making bank off the Jets. They own $6 million for this year and $8 million for next year. So, sounds about Jet-like. So, what was y'all's just initial reaction to Le'Veon being cut? I'm not going to speak on this. Bro, it's your time to speak on it. Stop being on it. Hurry up. I give my belt. <laughs> <laughs> Man, say so you're going to drive from... Olive Branch to Houston just to whoop you, bro. And then another hour, so we outside of Houston. But, yeah, um, since my call is threatened with physical violence, I guess I'll talk. Um, Le'Veon had been doing that for us, so it doesn't even matter. I don't – I want to see what Andy Reid, what exactly his role is like in that offense, just the rich getting richer. But, uh, yeah, Le'Veon is very talented. They'll find somewhere to put him and maximize him. Yeah, so, well, for me, 
it's not Le'Veon's fault he wasn't doing nothing in New York. It's the Jets' fault. It's Adam Gates' fault. They had a terrible O-line, couldn't block to save their life, and it just didn't open up any holes for Le'Veon. But what a positive from Le'Veon's tenure in New York last season was that he had, oh, my God, he had 66 catches for 461 yards. And that kind of receiving production is evident wherever Le'Veon is, especially you look at his time with the Steelers. And I think that's what he brings to that Chiefs offense. He can uh, create a lot of empty sets and mismatches for that Chiefs offense, forcing the covers to shift or create mismatches with him on a linebacker out of space. So I think that's what he brings to the Chiefs. And you also got to look at what the Chiefs did on Monday night. They played the Bills Monday night, and they rushed the ball 46 times for 245 yards. And that's the uh, highest rushing total in Kansas City under Andy Reid. And so by bringing Le'Veon in, you bring in a back who can spell uh, Clyde Edwards-Hale, who had 24 carries for 161 yards. And so far, he's carried the ball on, 85, on around 80% of uh, the Chiefs' designated handoffs to running backs. So by bringing Le'Veon in, you get a guy who can, you can split out wide and a guy who can take some of the load off the back of Clyde Edwards-Hale. So what do you guys think about what Bell is bringing to Kansas City? Like you said, uh, impressive receiving chops. Uh, probably can make Kansas City the, the best talented one-two-run duo to pair with the now – probably the, been the best passing offense. So embarrassment of riches, as they say. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's a good offense. I, I don't think Le'Veon still – a superstar back, but he's still really good. He's really, really good. Uh, I mean, you know, I, you can't really make that offense much better, but I mean, it's still going to be, it's no drop off. I mean, Dar even Daryl Williams was a good running back yeah. for the Kansas and they're still going to get um the other uh, Williams. Is it Damian Williams? Yeah, Damian. Uh, he opted out. Yeah, so he opted out. It's still going to get him back next season, so you're going to have to make some decisions there. But, you know, Le'Veon's a great back. You know, uh, it's a nice move. I have yeah. no problem. I mean, he's still 28. He hadn't even hit 30, which is like the beginning of the decline in running back years, in my opinion. So I think everything he did in Pittsburgh, he can still do in Kansas City, hands down. Yeah. And so, what did you say? You're not going to argue there. For sure. <laughs> Ain't nothing to argue about. It's the only thing to argue about is why he could, why y'all didn't use him in New York. Next topic. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back, talk about the battle in the AFC North, hand out our game balls and do our weekly pick them. So make sure y'all stay tuned. Brr. All right. And so we back and now we're talking about a heated Brr. race in the AFC North. And I'm talking between the Steelers and the Ravens. So right now the Steelers are undefeated and sitting in the top of the AFC North with a record of 5-0. and oh. So, so far, what have y'all seen with the Steelers? Um, they're deep. I'm a bad man. You want to go first? You can go. Oh. Um, best defense in the league from top to bottom, from eleven, from one to eleven to me. T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, who I think is criminally underrated. Cameron Hayward, uh, Devin Bush just tore his ACL, but even before it did, he was balling. Um, you got Mika Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, like that, like is this the best defense in NFL? I don't know how particularly close it is, and they just been dominant. Big Ben, you know, rolling through. Big Ben got Claypool and Juju. You know, they've been doing what it, Claypool really been doing what it do the past couple of weeks. 
they're they're a well oiled machine right now. So Vance, what do you have to add to that? They they are they're looking like the best team in the AFC. With one of them, we're gonna find out who it is uh, this Sunday coming up. Them or the Tennessee Titans. But I think the thing that really puts them over the Titans is not just the best team in the AFC North, but the best team in the AFC. Period is uh that defense, bro. It's 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 crazy. It's the D line is dominant. They got a superstar in the secondary. Uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing from them. So uh, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, and so talking about that defense, they're second in the NFL and yards allowed per game with 285.2. Eighth best pass defense, only allowing 219 yards per game. And then the league's second best run defense, only allowing 62 yards, 66 yards on the ground. And they've created nine turnovers on the season. So this is a really great defense on every level, like Josh said. But for me, the offense is doing a really good job of complementing the defense. So, you know, Big Ben's getting up there in age. He's coming off elbow surgery. So they've relied a lot on James Conner and uh, Samuel and uh, Benny Snell in the run game. Uh, the team is ninth in rush yards per game with 136.8. So they were complementing good defense with running the ball, keeping games low scoring. And Big Ben is getting the job done when he has to. He's thrown for uh, eight, 11 touchdowns, which is eighth in the league, only one interception, completing around 70% of his passes, and they've gotten a pleasant surprise with uh, Chase Claypool, as Josh alluded to. He's the team's leading receiver right now. So I think this Steelers uh, team is a legit contender for uh, the Super Bowl, talking about best team in the AFC. So now flipping over to the Ravens, who are sitting at 5-1. and one. They got a bye week this week. Their one loss was to the Chiefs, kind of got dismantled that week. So what have y'all seen with the Ravens so far this year? Um, I feel like I was with us. I'm going to let Vans go first. Mm, the Ravens, I, I like what I see. You know, Lamar Jackson still three quarterback in the NFL with uh, Russ Wilson and Pat Mahomes. Uh, dominance, honestly, it's just you can't, you can't stop it. It's a human cheat code. Uh, defensively, you know, they still got a little room for improvement here and there. It's still good enough to, you know, run, do basically whatever they want. I mean, honestly, I don't see them losing more than two more games this season. They might split with the Steelers, but that's really all I – that's the only other L I see on the schedule for them. Uh, summation of my feelings, exactly. Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, they didn't get any weapons for Lamar in the offseason because, I mean, it really only matters with the Chiefs, honestly, but you can still see how the lack of weapons and uh, – his, you know, he's not the crispiest pocket passer still. So, but he's still, you know, you know, him, him Mahomes are the future of the league. But um, like Van said, dominance, they're continuing to, you know, kill people on the ground. Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, the big trust Lamar Jackson, like it's unstoppable. Yeah. And so for me, I kind of have some concerns about the Ravens coming into this year. They're really, they're really thin at the linebacker position. Again, they didn't really do much to address that in the offseason. So, you know, they're starting a rookie in Patrick Queen. They don't have any solidified, you know, bona fide established veterans in that linebacking core. But in terms of front four and back five, I think they're really well suited to be competitive in the AFC. And then, to me, the Chiefs exposed a lot of the Ravens' deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball. So, right now, the like, receivers are having trouble creating separation. And it's made it harder on Lamar Jackson to distribute the ball as a passer. 
And also they brought a lot of pressure on Lamar and it kind of sped up the process for receivers and made it harder for him to pass the ball yet again. And so to me, the offense isn't as efficient or as explosive as it was last season. You think about last season, this is a team that led the uh, NFL in rushing yards. Lamar set the record for uh, rushing yards by a quarterback. And he's not on pace to do that again. But my thing is, yes, the offense is still scoring points. They're leading the NFL in points scored uh, with 179. And they've scored in every quarter they've played so far this season. But if you take a, if you take a deeper look at the numbers, they're 26th in total yards with 342.2 a game. They're 16th in third down conversions, a 42% conversion rate. And they're 18th in red zone efficiency with around 63%. And add on to that, the struggles they've had with penalties this year, they had nine of them Sunday and they went over the Eagles. And it's just, it's just a lot of things on offense that they need to get better at, especially converting in the red zone and passing the ball. Because looking at Lamar, he's 28th in the league in terms of completing passes that uh, travel further than 15 or further yards down the field with 36.8%. And you just can't be a good offense if you can't stress the field, especially when you have a run-based offense. You have to be able to hit on the deeper throws, the intermediate throws to open that defense up if you really want to run the ball. No, I think that, you know, it's going uh, to be a tight race between those two teams. I don't know how many times have they played or the twice. They play each other That's twice. Like with the first, they played their, they played the first time in November first. Mm. Um, what did they say? Uh, unstoppable force meets unmovable rock, or some something yeah. like that. So I think that those go games will be interesting, and I think that you know, I got it written down here. I think that the Steelers will be the better is the better team, fifty two one through fifty two. But when you have somebody like Lamar, it gives you that X factor. It just raises the ceiling, you know, higher than. Anybody, you you mean that division or in the NFL, honestly? Mm-hmm. So, so going off of that, who do y'all see winning this division? Go first, Steelers. Steelers. I got the yellow on for a reason. Oh, man. Ain't record, but uh, I honestly think it's gonna be a tie. But I'm just Steelers. I don't think they lose a game. They they'll lose one game in the division. That'll be to the Ravens. I can see the Ravens lose. The Browns or the Bengals on some like some fluke stuff, bro. I don't know why I could just see it happening. Just give me the Steelers. I think it's gonna be a tie, but they'll get the tiebreaker. Oh, for me, I kind of want to say the Steelers, but my heart just tells me to rock with the Ravens. I feel like they're gonna make a big move before the November third trade deadline. Get some help from for Lamar on the perimeter in terms of a pass catcher because you think about it, but they add a perimeter weapon, it opens up the run game more. It opens up Mark uh, Andrews in the middle of the field, and it opens up the run games more. So I think they make some, any kind of move. I think they'll be better suited than the Steelers. And I think, like I said, Lamar Jackson is the X factor, and I think he will show up and ensure that he does what's necessary to win that division. And so on off of that. My bad, Nick. The one thing I want to say, like the only knock that people really have against Lamar, Lamar, you know, is playoff experience. And that's the one thing that Big Ben – has a lot of. Yeah. I'm going to be the better player right now. But when they get into, ooh, like I said, keep covered. But when you get into that postseason, those division, those uh, those wild card games, one of them will have to play those 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 playoff games where Lamar has just, you know, for whatever reason, seems to not been able to win. You know, Big Ben has been able to win those. Mm-hmm. So I think that it the next, like I said, like you said, the next big step for Lamar is to you know succeed and get some playoff victories. I mean that. Yeah, but do you really think? I think. 
I think Big Ben is past the point in the career where you can rely on him to win you a game. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he's the star that he once was, especially coming off of elbow surgery this past season. I don't think you can just throw Big Ben out there and say, hey, our defense isn't playing well. We need you to throw for 300 plus and win us this game. I don't have that kind of faith in Big Ben, but I have the faith in Lamar that I can say, hey, Lamar, I need you to win this game. Because right now I'm just talking about winning the division, just winning the division in the regular season. I have faith in Lamar that Lamar will be able to do that in the regular season. But just for a game, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to trust Big Ben. I mean, for a playoff game, when it comes to like who would I trust more in the playoffs to make a deep run, I would trust the Steelers more to make a deep run in the playoffs. But who would I, I trust? Lamar's a better quarterback, but the Steelers got more weapons though. Who would you trust, Big Ben or Lamar? Though, like one game, like I need a what's yeah the playoff game to go okay. to the Super Bowl. Play- playoff game to get to the Super Bowl. Give me big men just because of experience. Actually, no. I'm, st- I'm still going to rock a little more. Still going to rock a little more. Against that defense, though? I mean, yeah. I like it. I'm just going to rock with him, but for the coach. Over the top, though. The way he's been balling, is he's come in and he's looking really nice. I don't. I think he's going to be in this league for a little while, bro. I mean, yeah, most definitely. I th- like I said, Claypool oh, yeah. was a pleasant surprise for the Steelers, like, who would expect him to come in and have a four touchdown game? Yeah. And then he topped it off again with a wrestling touchdown last week. Yeah, he about to do the title real dirty, bro. Malcolm Butler can't can't cover anything. Yeah, we we know. So we got TV too, Vance. So, kind of going off what we just talked about, which of these two teams do you think is more poised for a deep playoff run? I know y'all picked the Steelers to win the division, so do y'all think the Steelers would be a better team in the playoffs too? Defense, defense travels, bro. Defense. Yeah. Hey, man. I, defense. Amen. But I, I can't even say nothing. I just got to say amen to that. I mean, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like the Steelers are better suited to make a deep run in the playoffs than the Ravens are. I mean, but then we said, we said that same thing about Georgia, and then they got stumped by Alabama, bro, so you never know. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, I just see it as – Lamar's 0-2 in the playoffs. You can say what you want about that. But I think – I just think that the Steelers, like I said, defense travels. Big Ben's been there before. He's a better player. It's a better team constructed for the playoffs. But the Ravens, I still believe, will win the division in the regular season. Mm, I understand that. And so, to close this episode out, as we always do, let's hand out our game balls for the week. So – we want to hand this out first. Too trill. I'm gonna let Vance hand this out first because I loved his pick last week. The, the the quick the quick one, the easy one, the the most obvious one. Give me Derek Henry King Henry. You know, two, two carries, 212 yards on the ground, two catches, 53 uh, receiving yards. You know that big that big gain overtime he had that game that got the bulk of his receiving yards. Two touchdowns. Offensive Player of the Week, AFC, and NFL Offensive Player of the Week. So, uh, big shout-out to him. You know, he's a leading rusher in the NFL right now by 50 yards. They said if you only consider his yards after contact, he would be six in the NFL in rushing yards. Wow. That's uh, great. Wow. Being, uh, the most dominant running back in the game right now. Right. So, who you got yeah. this week, Josh? Man, you know, I'm gonna do I'm gonna take the concept and scratch it just a tad bit. I'm gonna give my game ball to Tampa Bay's defense. The whole defense. Not the whole eleven. 
you know, as as we noted, you know, Green Bay was on a roll coming into this game versus, you know, TB and the, uh, the Bucks. You know, the Bucks had a – last year they had Shake Barrett, you know, sack leaders, but the, the whole defense as a whole was, you know, a little shake. But, boy, did they show up on Sunday. They held Rodgers to 16 for 35, 160, two interceptions, one pick six by uh, Carlton Davis or was it Jamal Davis? I think it was Jamal Davis. Yeah. And it's crazy because Antoine Winfrey and Carlton Davis, they actually dropped two picks during the game. So they could have they could have got Rodgers for four of them things. But uh, it starts with that front seven. You got Shaq Barrett, JPP, uh, Devin White, and Devontae uh, Davis. Vita Vey, look at you, Nick, getting down in the trenches. Boy, he haven't run down. Oh, yeah, just run defense in the league last season. Yeah, Nick played nose guard in uh preschool. That's yeah, I didn't <laughs> even play football in preschool. So like, played, you know, they put great dude in nose guard in Pee Wee, bro. Let's try. <laughs> they didn't, even, didn't even play Pee Wee. <laughs> they did. They do though. Somewhere on a tennis court. <laughs> Let me get through this, Vans. Uh, uh, like I said. Probably the best linebacker crew in the NFL right now, Levante David and Devin White. 14 tackles, almost if three and a half sacks combined. You know, Devin White, 4-4-2, running hit guy, sideline to sideline. You know, he's the, the physical specimen. Levante David, he's that season, you know, season vet. He's going to read the triangle, the two guards in his space. And that combination, like like uh, Nick said, has been killing the run defense for last since last year. But the upgrade that took place this year was, I think, sparked by Antoine Winfield Jr. And that secondary, you know, the front seven does make life difficult for Rodgers, but they still had to make players on the ball, and they did that consistently all game. You know, Devontae Adams is a superstar in this league, and Carlton Davis, I, what I seen from one of the breakdowns, was actually traveling with him at one point during the game. And especially like on that out route where he got his pit, well, that was Jamal Dean. But even on his out route, we got his uh, his pit six playing off man, you know, film study, studying tendencies, but being able to make a play when the the time, the opportunity is there. And I think that that secondary for Tampa Bay is going to be the biggest jump to be like a Steelers defense, a defense that can travel, you know, can guarantee can get ten jump start your offense when necessarily your TB is not going to be playing well. So, yeah, that was an amazing job. That was a classic case of my defense is going to dominate the day. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do the rest of the season. Yeah, and so for me, my game ball goes to DeAndre Swift, Swift rookie running back for the Lions. Had a breakout game this Sunday versus the Jags. Carried the ball 14 times, 116 yards. 8.3 average per carry. Two touchdowns, three receptions, seven yards. He had his breakout game this Sunday in a win, and it's glad to see him do this because, like we, because uh, he was drafted second round by the team, came into a crowded backfield with AP, Carry On Johnson, and I feel like he pushed himself into that running back one conversation for the Lions, and he straight up dominated that game, put the team on his back, led him to a victory. Shout out, shout out, DeAndre Swift. You know, that's a feeling that I shout out my boy, Big Zabo. I don't know if you listen to it or not. You should be if you're not, brother. But, yeah, shout out DeAndre Swift. And so, uh, so we closed the episode out. Of course, we got our weekly pick em. Pick em. You feel me? We got to get some little edits going. That's going to be so cute. But uh, go ahead and start, Nick. So, first game we got, Steelers at Titans. We've been talking about this game all episode. Let me see who y'all rocking with. Go, Vance. He picked, right, bro. No. I'm rocking with the Tennessee football Titans, bro. Mm. Titans, you know, every game has been down to the wire for the Titans this season, bro. I don't think they had one blowout win at all. You know, at two game with three game winners now with the Derrick Henry touchdown. 
the Southskies kicked two game winners, and the other two, you know, were one score games. So, uh, give me the Titans, bro. Go, Nick. Uh, I got to rock with the Titans, bro. I just like what they're doing. They keep building momentum. Can't stop King Harry, man. Sonic Smash. As I look. As I look in the face of a uh, Tennessee Titans hoodie that I have right here to my left, I got to go with the Steelers. De- like you said, defense travels, you know. And honestly, if this defense can't keep him around 100 yards, nobody can. But I think that they are the best defense in the league. Big Ben has – like, I think they're probably most complete team right now in the league. I would probably say so. Yeah. So my is Steelers – Tough one over the Titans, but if the Titans can win, I would probably pick them to go to the Super Bowl at this point if they can beat the Steelers. So I think that's an interesting matchup. You know, the Steelers have the second best run defense in the league, like I know earlier, versus King Henry, who has the most rushing yards in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and you know what the Titans decide to do and game plan. So next game we got Seattle at Arizona battle out west. Mm, one of the probably the best uh, interconference matchup in football right now. You know, that whole NFC West, that conference has given us so much great football over the years. But I digress. Um, the Cardinals just embarrassed the Cowboys on national TV yesterday or Monday. But uh, it's happening more often, so it really doesn't matter that much. Um, DK and Russ are becoming the best combo in the league. But uh, K1 and D-Hop are going to be a close second if we're going to really be uh, competitive about it. What, probably the, when I was doing a little research, probably the best game – the game I'm most excited for. Only reason I'll give it to the Seahawks is because Chandler Jones is out. But even Buda Baker's been playing with his hair on fire, so who knows? Okay. Vance, what you at? We can't hear you, bro. Can't hear you, brother. Hey, hey. You look you look like you sound you're saying something good though. You look like it. <laughs> give me give me the Cardinals. Uh I I really like the cards. The way Buda Baker's been playing, I think he's gonna be giving Russell Wilson hell, especially off the edge. Uh you know, Seahawks, their their tackle, uh, they're they're decent, but I don't I don't see them like keeping Buda Baker contained. And I, I like the way Kyler's been running. I don't see the Seahawks, you know, Bobby Wagner, KJ White, you know, Sala Olive Brent. Uh they're gonna be struggling to keep that, that offense at bay. But just give me the Cardinals. I just got a feeling. Cardinals by two. Yeah, I kinda got the same feeling Vance got in this game. Uh, I like the Cardinals defense a little better than I like the uh, Seahawks defense. I believe Jamal Adams will still be out. So I'm going to rock with the Cardinals, especially after the show they put on against the, uh, against the Cowboys Monday night. So next game we got 49ers at Patriots. Go Vance. Mm. Uh, I'm a Cam Newton fan, bro. Just get, give me the Patriots. Defense, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to say Patriots 20, 49ers 16. Go on, go, Nick. I'm, I got to rock with the Patriots on this one. I feel like the Patriots will get their running game back on track, especially against the D-line, missing some key pieces. So I'm going to rock with the Patriots. Uh, Three-way sweep. You know, Moulter's going to be out. He had over 100 yards last game. Trent Williams is questionable. Even if he's playing, he's not going to be at 100%. think they're overreacting in uh, Foxborough. Give me New England. Okay. Next game we got. Buccaneers at Raiders. Ooh, I like I like this game too. You said Bucks at Raiders. You know, two teams coming off um impressive wins. The Raiders over the Chiefs and the Bucks obviously over Green Bay. I just talked about that. 
But um, Waller and Ruggs have been killing secondaries all week, and it actually leads to my point that, like I said, this is another stepping stone for that uh, for that Buccaneers secondary. I think that like I think that this front seven will make it really hard on them. Trent Brown has been the best tackle in football early, but he's not yet that for other O linemen. Um, Rojo just had a hundred yard game. Give me the Bucks. Mm, give me give me the Bucks too. I like that. I like I liked what I see against arguably the best in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers just dominated them. It wasn't even close, man. I think that's the type of ceiling the Bucks have. Like, if you play defense, bro, your offense, you, you can carry your offense. We've seen that with the Bears for what, past three, four years since uh, they actually got the player from the Raiders, uh, Khalil Mack. Uh, but give me the Bucks, bro. I, li- I like what I see from them. So, for me, I'm going to flip the script on y'all. I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders. And I'm going to take the Raiders just because I know John Gruden going to be charged up, ready to uh, play the team he won a Super Bowl with. And I think Derek Carr will – Basically put everybody on notice that, hey, I'm a franchise guy. He's going to come into this game motivated. Josh Jacobs is going to run angry as always. So I think I'm going to rock with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So next game we got, Monday night game, Bears at Rams. Khalil Mack versus Aaron Donald. Bears. Not, not really. Khalil Mack I mean, been disappointed. You said you're rocking with the Bears, Lance? Yeah, Bears, bro. Give me the Bears, bro. I, I like the Bears. Bro. Anthony yeah. Miller. With Daryl Henderson, he goes hard, too. But give me the Bears, man. I just trust them for some reason. Josh? No. Give me the Rams. Uh, play, I think the Rams are playing a little better. I like the Bears. Nick Foles really brought a new element to that offense. But uh, the Rams has played the Bills really close. Henderson's been over 100 yards, I believe, the past two games. So, you know, that single back's been, you know, Bucking, jugging and driving for him, play action set up for golf, which is where he operates best. Too many weapons. Cooks, Woods, uh, Higby, uh, Gerald Everett, give me the Rams. Yeah, so for me, I got to rock with the Bears on this one. You can say what you want about Khalil Mack underproducing, but that is a front seven that still creates a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And add to that, uh, the Bears have the two best corners in the league in terms of allowed completion percentage. Kyle Fuller only allows 41 percent of passes to be completed when he's targeted and the other corner rookie Jalen Johnson only allows 44 percent of passes to be completed when he's targeted so uh combining that front seven with those DBs in the back foot I gotta rock with the Bears especially against a Rams team that's headed by Jared Goff so you never know what you're gonna what to expect when you play Jared Goff not for sure I mean I I I can concur with that I mean, Sean McVay, he was the wonder boy uh, in the NFL, what, 18 months ago. So, he's still got a little magic left. We'll see. It'll be interesting Monday night game because you know I'm tuned in. And so, with that, that wraps our episode up this week. Hope y'all enjoyed it. The Kobe episode. Shout yes, out, Mamba. Yes, sir. Two four. You so, already know. Money, man. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, money, man. You know, this is the part of the segment where I have, you know, I tell who to listen to the podcast, but uh, I want I want to get inspiration today from my my co-host. Who is this? Who 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 listens to this podcast? Nick and Vance. Uh, people that like sports. Negroes. Negroes. <laughs> Negroes do listen to this podcast. Several Negroes are subscribed to us on all of our social media platforms. Negroes, you know. H, you know, I'm at HBCU right now. I know you got, you know, you're, you're grown. You're 26, 27. You got your own place. You have a steady job. You know, 
you're you're breaking generational curses. But you got that little nephew. Oh, you know, I know he's I know that's family, but you know, all family ain't family like that, like that. Put him on a podcast. Give him something constructive to do. You know, he, what he doing? What's he running around doing? Nothing. Sitting around all day, breathing your air, eating out your refrigerator while you're not there. Come on now. Give him an assignment. Let him listen to the, make him listen to the podcast. Make him leave a review. Follow us on all social media accounts. And just get his laser behind up before you smack him. Yes, sir. Make sure you do that. We inspire the youth around here. So make sure y'all stay up, still in the pandemic, wear that mask, like, comment, subscribe, do all Black that. Black lives still matter for the people. And vote. Yes, sir. Election Day coming up. November vote. Early voting 6th. going on in most states. Yes, sir. Election Day is November 6th, if I'm not mistaken. So make sure y'all get out and do that. Got business to take care of. So y'all stay safe out here and we out of here. You did, man. I don't know about that one.